0: Good day and welcome to Paymentis' first quarter 2022 earnings call. This call is being recorded. All participants are currently in a listen-only mode. There will be an opportunity for your questions following management's prepared remarks. To ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. At this time, I would like to hand the call over to Paul Seaman, VP of Finance and Strategy, for some introductory comments. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good afternoon and welcome to payments. This is first quarter
1: 2022 earnings call. Joining me on the call today are Deshaun Sharma, our founder and CEO, and Matt Carson, our CFO. Following our prepared remarks, we'll take questions. Our press release is issued after close of the market today and is posted on our website where this call is being simultaneously webcast. The webcast replay of this call and the supplemental slides accompanying this presentation will be available on our company's website under the investor relations link at ir.finansys.com. Statements made on this call include forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Forward-looking statements use words such as will, believe, expect, anticipate, and similar phrases that denote future expectations or intents regarding our financial results and guidance, market opportunity, business strategies, impact on acquisitions and other matters. These forward-looking statements speak as of today and we undertake no obligation to update them. These statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that may cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth in such statements, including the risks and uncertainties set forth under the caption, special note regarding forward-looking statements, and risk factors in our annual report on Form 10K for the year ended December 31, 2021, If you filed with the SEC on March 3rd, 2022. Our quarterly report on Form 10Q for the quarter ended March 31st, 2022, which we expect to file with the SEC in early May, 2022, and elsewhere as our other filings with the SEC. we encourage you to review these detailed safe harbor and risk factor disclosures. In addition, during today's call, we will discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures, specifically contribution profit, adjusted gross profit, adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA margin are non-GAAP financial measures. These non-GAAP financial measures, which we believe are useful in measuring our performance and liquidity, should be considered in addition to, not as a substitute for, or an isolation from GAAP results. We encourage you to review additional disclosures regarding these non-GAAP measures, including reconciliations with the most directly comparable GAAP measures. Our earnings actually issued issued today and the supplemental slides for the forecast, each available on the investor relations page of our website than our filing of FBC. aside I'd like to turn the call over to Deshaun Sharma our founder and CEO. Thanks, Paul. We started twenty twenty two with
2: a very strong quarter across all KPIs and saw little to no impact on the geopolitical and economic events that occurred, including events in Ukraine and inflation. We believe we have a clear view of the business and are optimistic about the outlook for the remainder of 2022, as well as the foundation it for 2023. We believe we believe one great aspect of our business is that it is extremely resilient because consumers and businesses have to pay their bills, essential bills, regardless of world events or whether the economy enters a recession or not. On a quick personal note. This is our fourth quarterly update since the ITO as we approach our first anniversary. I'm having a lot of fun building the business, so is my team. I know because based on where the markets have been, one, one would think that we could be distracted, we are not. We are laser focused on executing our business strategies as we seek to build a long term successful and high growth business. We all understand and remain focused on the effects of long term compounding growth. As a new public company and where I sit today, despite our scale, I view us as a startup public company and believe we are just getting started. I welcome each and every one of you on our journey and to share in our long-term success. Let me now discuss our financial performance, which demonstrates that we are executing and performing well. In the first quarter, contribution profit grew 35% driven by a 40.9% increase in transactions. From the sales booking perspective, we signed over 60 clients in the quarter, which is about 50% more than the same period last year. These sales numbers are inclusive of direct, partner, and J.P. Morgan migrations, which require some sales support to some Relative to the comparable quarter of 2021, our sales were more diverse, with less than 40% from the U.S.P. portfolio. The largest areas of increase were city services, insurance, and mortgage payments. But we also signed clients as unique as a leading home design company. We crossed an annual run rate of $100 billion in payments volume during the quarter. We believe very few companies in the U.S. are processing at this scale, which is nearly a quarter billion dollars per day on an average. As we have said before, it still creates opportunities to strengthen our network and process relationships because of the unique value we bring in under-finished segments for digital payments. We continue to work to establish additional relationships in our newer segments. In past quarters, we have talked about the extension of our telecom partnerships. This quarter, we have signed the healthcare division of one of the top five U.S. banks to expand our footprint in that industry. We expect the partnership to provide us with expanded access to practice management systems. Adding partners in areas such as healthcare, telecom, and other undereducated verticals help our sales efforts and complement complements our direct selling process. Let for our ability to increase our share of the total addressable market. In that quarter, we went live with one of the largest owners of Apartments in the country. Real estate is outside of the core six verticals that we talk about, but represents a significant opportunity on its own. As you can imagine, rent payments fall in our sweet spot, both non-discretionary and reappearing. We believe this implementation shows the flexibility and the breadth of our platform, which powers industries as diverse as real estate, B2B logistics, and home security providers, not to mention our existing core verticals. We are making progress migrating the J.P. Morgan Chase client base. We completed our first implementations in the quarter, and many more are in flight and scheduled to go live throughout the year. While this added revenue isn't material yet, we expect expected to build over time. In addition, the new uh, deal sales channel from J.P. Morgan Chase continues to build and the relationship continues to be more and more beneficial for both parties. A quick note on our IPN ecosystem. We continue to expand the network and add more and more endpoints, including the FIs. As a reminder, IPN is symbiotic with Dealer Direct. IPN helps us win more Dealer Direct uh, deals, and Dealer Direct wins help us add more IPN partners and bondage. I'll now turn the call over to Matt to discuss our financial results in more detail.
3: Thanks, Deshaun. As a reminder, today's discussion includes non-GAAP financial measures. Please refer to the tables in our press release and supplemental slides for reconciliation of non-GAAP items to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measure. In the first quarter, we we processed 87.9 million transactions, which equates to a year-over-year increase of 40.9%. Transaction volume continues to be driven by strong execution, as well as additional IPN transactions, in particular the say bank transactions, as well as business-to-business transactions. This transaction growth drove a revenue increase of 26.5% over Q1 of 2021, which resulted in revenue of $116.7 million in the quarter. Q1 contribution profit was $47.4 million, representing a 35% increase over the same period last year. Consistent with the last several quarters, contribution profit grew faster than revenue, primarily due to an increased mix of transactions without interchange, specifically IPN transactions, cash-based payout transactions, and certain B2B transactions. Contribution profit per transaction was in line with Q4 of 2021 at 54 cents, which was consistent with our expectations and previous communications. Contribution profit for the quarter was ahead of expectations due to certain customers going live earlier in the quarter than was, was anticipated, as well as some favorable mix of payment type. While these items provided a tailwind in Q1, we do not anticipate that tailwind to carry forward in the subsequent quarters. Adjusted EBITDA was $5.4 million for the first quarter, which represents an 11.3% adjusted EBITDA margin. This was slightly above our internal expectations for the quarter. We only provide guidance for the full year, but we never expected the adjusted EBITDA to be spread evenly throughout the year as we ramped up hiring to end 2021 and had additional fees for completing the 2021 audit. We expected Q1 adjusted EBITDA to be the low point for the year, for these and other reasons, and we are on track to slightly ahead of what we expected. Operating expenses rose $13.5 million to $36.2 million for Q1 of 2022 from the same period last year. Overall, the increase in operating expenses from last year was driven by investments in staff, as well as additional operating expenses associated with Pegaris and Cinevera, the amortization of identified intangible assets from the acquisitions and stock-based compensation. Specifically, R&D expense increased $2.7 million or 34.4% in the first quarter in 2021 as we continue to innovate with and for our customers and partners. Sales and marketing expense increased $8 million driven by the Paybaris acquisition, continued expansion of the sales team adding partnerships to capture our sizable market opportunity and an increase in stock-based compensation. Also, travel and marketing events continue to ramp up relative to Q1 2021, particularly with the impact of COVID fading. We experienced an increase in G&A expense of 43%, 43.1% or $2.9 million due to our acquisitions multi-fold increases in the cost of corporate insurance, and ongoing investment in public company infrastructure. Our GAAP net income was $1.7 million, and EPS for Q1 was one cent. Non-GAAP net income was $3.7 million, and non-GAAP EPS was three cents for the quarter. We had a large tax benefit in Q1, driven by our small loss on pre-tax income, as well as a discrete benefit of $2.6 million that we recorded related to excess tax benefits on stock-based compensation. As of March 31st, 2022, we had $163.4 million of cash and cash equivalents on our balance sheet. Cash decreased primarily due to the timing of certain customer payments, as well as increased operating expenses due to the acquisitions. At quarter in, we had approximately 121 million shares of common stock outstanding. Now, turning to our 2022 full year outlook. We're increasing our 2022 revenue outlook to a range of $492 million to $497 million, which represents growth between 24.5% and 26% year over year. We're increasing our contribution profit guidance to be between $206 million and $208 million for the year, which is approximately 30 to 31% growth. Our adjusted EBITDA outlook is in the range of 30 to $33 million, with an adjusted EBITDA margin of 14.5% to 16%. As we've indicated previously, we do not believe the current inflationary environment will have a negative impact on our top line. Our current guidance reflects some assumptions around continued inflation and potential for increasing wage pressure. However, if inflation continues at higher levels than we have assumed, it could have a higher impact on our margins going forward. As you can see from the updated guidance, the high end of our contribution profit guidance implies growth in the same range as 2021. We believe this level would give us a top decile performance for technology companies on rule of 50 for the past couple of years. We are not slowing down and remain excited about how the business is performing. Finally, as we said last quarter, we anticipate our full year effective tax rate to be around 30%. However, due to the amortization of intangibles associated with the acquisitions, the closer we are to break even on pre-tax book income, the more variation we could see on our tax rate. I'll now turn the call back over to Sean, for some closing comments. Thanks, Pat. To close, I would like to provide a brief reminder of what we
2: believe makes us different and positions us uh, to win a significant share of the massive demand. Our platform was designed to be flexible and meet the bling and payment needs of virtually any industry. This creates a massive, addressable market that's both reoccurring and non-discretionary in the U.S. and beyond. IT estimates this at nearly 16 billion payments, payment transactions annually in the U.S. alone, and we believe we have the ability to address a sizable portion of them. With our acquisition of the letters, we also opened up access to bank-based payments, and we believe IT extends our reach to virtually any general consumer uh, a consumer wants to pay through. Our platform is known for B2C, but also runs large-scale B2B-invoicing and payment clients. B2B is outside of the 16 billion number I just mentioned. The platform is known for pay ins, meaning payments, but can also provide payouts for insurance companies and other industries that need personal capabilities. Payouts is also incremental to the 16 billion uh, payment number I talked about. This is why I continue to be extremely bullish on the business and do see us continue to invest long-term growth rather than dropping incremental dollars to the bottom line. I'd like to thank our 1,000-plus employees for their hard work and dedication that makes all this possible. With that, I'll now turn the call over to the operator for questions. Absolutely. If you would like to ask a question, please
0: press star followed by 1 on the telephone. Thank you. If for any reason you would like to remove that question, please press star followed by 2. Again, to ask the question, star form. As a reminder, if you're using the speaker phone, please remember to pick up your handset before asking your question to a Our This question goes to Will with Goldman Facts. Will, your line is 50, Hey guys, good
4: afternoon. How are you? Good. Um, I I wanted to follow up on the the full year guidance. I think last quarter you guys signaled that in the back half of the year you guys could dip below that thirty percent. And I think it was a combination of uh, uh from the prior year and some conservatism around the pace of onboarding. It sounds like you were a little bit more successful in bringing clients on board this quarter i'm wondering as we have gotten you know three months later have you have you gotten any incremental line of sight on some case of onboarding and and is that still your expectation in the half of the year and and what would it take you know what what would need to happen for, for that not to occur
3: yeah thanks Will. this is matt uh great question um yeah, you know, it's early in the year. I would say, you know, we still have uh, nothing fundamental has changed in kind of our view with respect to our guidance and modeling the forecast for the year. Um, we did have a very good result in Q1 in being able to uh, get things live sooner than than we had anticipated and modeled, um, and we're going to continue to work for that as we go through the rest of the year. It's something we've always done and we'll continue to do. It's a uh, definite focus of Deshaun, I, and the rest of the team. Um, but it's early in the year, and, and I think, you know, we're kind of maintaining our uh, view on the rest of the year for, at this point in time, and we'll continue to work on it as we go through the year.
4: Got it. That's cool. And then I, everyone for Deshaun, it's nice to hear about the, uh, the referral agreement with the healthcare vertical, the large bank. If we take a step back, you guys have done a lot of expansion in your go-to-market channel since the IPO, and I guess when you put together the JP Morgan relationship, PayVaris, the new healthcare deal, how are you thinking about the tailwinds that just drive to the top line, and I guess even higher level, would you consider these partnerships as being potentially additive to that 30% growth rate that you've done in the past? Well, uh,
2: <laughs> a good question, Bill. Thank you. Uh, I was going to say, I was smiling because of your last part of your question. Uh, the, uh, look, we are very proud of what we have been able to accomplish here. Everything we set out to do as a business, we said we're going to build a platform that allows us to scale horizontally uh, to any uh, uh, any vertical industry and vertically into any size of the customer, and we have done that. And as a result of the uh, modern age, biller direct platform we have created, which not only brings bring companies live in the ecosystem, uh, which is their direct ecosystem, but also through the and ecosystem we have created, allows them to go to the uh, any endpoint. It is it is allowing us to uh, uh, bring customers uh, uh, on our platform at a faster rate than we have done before, and. In addition to that, we 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 are also seeing uh, tremendous excitement in the partnership uh, ecosystem we have. Uh, you named uh, some of the partners, uh, and there are many other partners uh, in the mix as well. So we're seeing tremendous progress there, and this clearly helps us uh, continue to grow and maintain the momentum. And. Uh, you know, we are not raising our guidance. Our guidance is what it, what it is. But uh, if not a day goes by that we are not looking at how can we accelerate that even more uh, than than what uh, what uh, we are already forecasting. So, uh, uh, not need the guidance, but at, at least from a uh, overall perspective, we're about uh, where
5: our business is headed. Got it. I Appreciate that, and uh, thank you
4: for taking all my questions.
5: Of course, thanks, Will.
0: Thank you, Will. Our next question goes to Andrew Papp with SMBC Nico Security. Andrew, the line is open. Please go ahead.
6: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. and uh, Nice set of results here. First off, Matt, I wonder if you could clarify some of your comments around the first quarter tailwinds, around favorable mix and the cases on boring. I guess, can you give us a better sense of, of what exactly those payment mix types, like what drove that, benefit and and why that wouldn't um, carry forward in subsequent quarters, and is the onboarding dynamic really just kind of a timing element or – because we would assume that if you're accelerating the rate of these onboards, that those tailwinds, you know, should continue.
3: Yeah, thanks, uh, Andrew. Appreciate the question. Um, So, on the the implementation onboarding, um, you know, when we lay out our model for the year, we assume – Based on all the information that we have from our own team from the client, a certain uh go live date for a particular client uh and let's say for the the some of the accelerations we saw in q one uh they were clients that we had slated to go live, say at the end of q one they went live at the middle of q one so that means that we got an extra month and a half of revenue off of them uh but when it comes to q two, we kind of had that revenue in q two all along uh because they were going to go live in our plan at the end of Q one anyway. So there's no incremental benefit to Q2 from that client going live earlier in Q one. Uh and that's what I was sort of referencing with um with Will's question is uh at this point in time early in the year we don't want to make assumptions that uh, we'll be able to be successful with additional clients during the implementation pipeline being able to do that same thing because every client's different. All the facts and circumstances are different. So it's great for Q1 that we uh, were able to do that. We continue to work on doing that uh, every day going forward, and our team is very focused on it. But um, it's hard to make an assumption that that can continue through uh, depending on different facts and circumstances of different clients uh then on the the mix uh type really what i was referring to there is um we saw some uh movement say from credit higher cost uh type of payment to more uh cash based lower cost type of payment uh nq ones So we got the benefit of additional contribution profits and that um the main reason we said we're not uh, anticipating that to continue is because Q1 is a little bit of a different animal as we talked about before uh, than the other quarters the year in that uh, it's kind of a high point of the year and what we see for our average payment amount, i.e. the bill payment amounts that are getting paid uh, on our platform, you know, largely due to uh, utility payments even higher in Q1 because of the cold winter months. And so this year, so that was maybe even fueled a little bit more with some of the, the macro things we're seeing around, uh, energy costs. Uh, and so I think people, a little bit of speculation on my part, that people, uh, may have paid more with different types of payment methods because the bills were higher. They may have split their bills and paid some with cash, some with credit, uh, et cetera. Um, so again, we're not making assumptions that that's going to continue because Q1 it has a little bit different profile with respect to the amounts of payments we see and the behavior we see out of consumers just because those payment amounts are higher. And
2: I think if, if I may add a little bit to that, uh, the uh, quarterly uh, dynamic uh, Matt uh, uh, described so well, is exactly why uh, sometimes be misunderstood that what we are, when we are writing to the year, sometimes quarter, uh, things vary quarter to quarter but the guidance for the year uh, is is what we're
6: focused on uh, as a whole. Got it. Very helpful. Um, And then I follow up for uh, Sean. I mean, if we're heading into, you know, an economic slowdown and and potentially a prolonged recession, I mean, is this changing any of your conversations with billers that that are looking for solutions to be able to, you know, better capture rate of payment and, 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 and the like?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, great, great question. Uh, I can take you back to the last time we saw recessionary environment where it was like uh, 2010, 11, 12, and so on. We want that to into an accelerating growth for us in some ways because uh, uh, the business itself, uh, as I talked about at the top of the call, that there's a resilience factor in here where uh, I still have to pay my bills as a consumer. Uh, improving the businesses, uh, you have to keep your life strong. You have to pay your insurance, you have to pay your mortgage, and so on. And uh, but during these up, uh, times, there is increased focus on improving uh, the efficiencies while also trying to improve the customer experience so that it's easier to collect money from the customers. And that actually shines even a stronger light or a brighter light on our platform and our capabilities. And as a result we start to get even more inbound inquiries uh, than we would uh, typically get Uh, and I'm not saying that recession is actually beneficial uh, somehow there's a a benefit to us but what I'm saying is that the way we have designed our business and the way we approach the market uh, we uh, if there is a uh, a recession uh, because of the pricing model which we have created it actually helps our case even stronger in in many cases I hope that answers the question
6: no it does and that collection rate definitely comes into greater focus for billers. so thank you for the color
0: thank you andrew our next question is ashton sure car with city ashton
2: please go ahead um hey uh
5: good quarter, guys um i was uh i was hoping you could perhaps uh address sort of what we should expect with with regards to
6: cadence through the year. Um you know, you're obviously raising uh,
2: raising expectations. Um is there a uh, is there a timeline one should re- expect uh, in, in terms of this completely layout? and then let me ask the second question that said uh, as well. Um it, you know the opportunities that you talked about, for example, the entertainment opportunity and so on and so forth. Um, is that I mean could you perhaps specify that I and mean, you know, how that sort of flows through your system? Um that, that Okay, uh thanks Ashwin. Um on the first
3: one um i assume what you mean is does it uh change anything just to clarify for me on the quarterly uh cadence does it change does the fact that we um had the uh you know kind of exceeded the expectations that you want and raised our guidance does it change kind of our thinking for the rest of the year and how the quarters play out is that what the question was um yeah
5: What what the
2: question
3: was okay um Got it. No, not really. I, I mean, as I said, I think um, uh the reason, you know, we had a, a – well, there were a lot of reasons we had a strong Q1. I would say the the uh, reason that we had a um, stronger than expected Q1 was the timing of, of certain implementations uh, happening a bit faster, sooner than we expected, as well as – uh some of the makeshift. It's early in the year. We don't, um, you know, because of the factors I mentioned, I think, in response to Andrew's question, um, we're not comfortable uh, sort of carrying that through to the rest of the year at this point. But um, so I think the kind of underlying fundamentals for the year are consistent with what we expected and, and talked about going into uh, Q4. Um, you know, we've got, uh, you know, as Deshaun sort of alluded to a second ago. We only provide guidance on an annual basis. The reason we do that is because there is quarter to quarter variability in our business. Um, you know, when we get into back half of the year we've got um you know some of the uh top comparisons with uh some of the acquisition stuff in Q three and Q four. Um but fundamentally we still uh believe that we're a thirty percent uh grower and, and we're you know, obviously our guidance reflects that and yeah, I think nothing's gonna change that going into twenty twenty three. Um so um yeah, I think that was uh, kind of the kind of the first one. The second one, uh, could you just repeat the second question? I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I was just going to, you know, um, obviously it's kind of similar to a previous question, which I wanted to, uh, I was wondering if you could actually of these opportunities that you talked about, like, for example, uh, when you start rolling in rent payments, right? How uh, does that add to your whole pie, or was that an incident in the whole pie? Great question, uh, Ashwin. I mean, this is uh, one of the key advantages of the platform, the way we have conceived it, the way we have built it, is uh, that we are able to add, uh, so the bill payment market, which is just b to c payment receivable, uh, receivable market itself, is, you know, the, the as we talked about it, it's in trillions of dollars of uh, uh, household expense, which goes through uh, just for bill payments. B2B uh, capabilities uh, as we talk about is completely outside of that and, it, and it's significantly larger in, in many ways uh just because of the type amounts uh the dollar which are included in b two b uh invoicing process and the uh is a pretty significant opportunity as well so they're both outside of what we are uh, at, uh, what we are uh, pursuing here so uh w- what we talked about in the sixteen billion uh, bill uh, bill payments so we feel like that this is uh all of these uh, things you have done, the hard work, the rails, the platform, the capabilities you have built, the workflows you have created, it's all setting a great foundation for us to
3: continue to grow uh, uh, in the out of the years. And the, other, the thing I would add to that, and totally agree with all that, the thing I would add to that is um, we've kind of been thinking about it in a little bit of a C-pronged way in the sense of, uh, you know, we talk about kind of being a 30% grower, we obviously were thinking about uh, the bill. Uh, direct business and the platform that we have and, you know, our six verticals, but also all verticals, right? We're obviously taking into, into account, um, kind of all the different types of buildings that can be on it. But, I, but I, what I meant when I said a two-pronged approach is, um, the more we can expand that pie, uh, and have more opportunities at different types of clients, that also applies to the bank network with Tiberis that also applies to some of the IPM stuff, um, the more, uh kind of certainty you can put around that 30% number because it just gives us more opportunities from which to draw it from. And then if many of them hit, then I think it becomes incremental and kind of on top of that 30% number. So it's kind of like we've got, a, we've got a wide net of things that we can draw from to get there. And then if we're successful in many of those different things, then it starts to
5: go up from there, if that makes sense.
3: Uh, and, and That's well, okay, had, uh, the yeah. yeah. You said that much more succinctly
0: than I did. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank much. you, right. you Ashley. Our next question goes to John Davis and Raymond James. Tom, your line is
5: open. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, guys. Matt, I've heard you say a couple of times Do you expect to continue this. No, thirty-five percent. Uh, contribution profit growth into twenty three. Um but I'm buying that I was, that was from a little bit of an organic acceleration given the, the modest impacts from, from the acquisitions that you fund to just I wanted to just you know, confirm that and just kind of understand what the drivers are to uh, that potential accelerated growth uh, in twenty twenty three. Yeah thanks John
3: um, well 2022 uh, is not done yet um in the sense of um, you know, like Deshaun said earlier, our, our guidance is our guidance, but we're certainly uh, working every day to try to, um, you know, continue to drive more in 2022. I mean, that's that's what we're here for, and that's what we're uh, paid for, is to continue to try to drive more here. Um, but with your point, thanks for our current guidance, uh, I, I definitely understand your point, and I think it's, it's the result of all the things that we're, you know, Deshaun talked about that we're working to put in place now. It's uh you know, additional partnerships. It's the expansion of the, uh, uh, opportunities around outside of our core, uh, six core verticals industries that we're now getting into, like, the the rent payments, uh, opportunity. It's, uh, um, B2B, you know, potential that we've, uh, started off in and continuing to drive additional, uh, clients there. Um, so I think it, it's really just, you know, the bank opportunity, uh, with, with Clay We still, you know, are, are very, uh, excited about what that, uh, can bring and what, what, um, uh, inbound, you know, interest and conversations are happening on that front. So again, I, I think really answer the question is the where I wrapped up with, with, uh, Ashton's question, which is, you know, we've really widened the net out over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. Uh, and so just having more opportunities at more different, whether it's verticals, partners, uh banks, posters, dread pillars, you know, on and on, it just gives us uh more areas and more opportunities for to drive additional business growth.
2: Absolutely. And and on top of that, uh you know, we have a customer base. We have signed customers. We had a you know last several quarters, including uh, uh this most recent one. Uh sixty deals to sixty deals is uh you know nothing to see that and uh, so all of these contribute. Uh, to where we could be next year. Uh, and uh, so, we're excited about the business. And, uh, and uh, like Matt said, that year is not done, but year is also not done from the perspective of adding lots to the to the mix to make sure 2023
5: is a big year. Okay, no, that's super helpful. And then we have a lot of questions on inflation and trying to understand Since so you guys are a relatively new public company. Matt or, or saw maybe just get a second to explain or – and stand upon you know, how inflation actually runs through it. I understand you know, have yeah. to take per bill, but some of your costs could, could be, um, you know, higher in inflationary requirements. So you just really want to understand, and Matt, you said that inflation kind of neutral. Um, so, maybe just kind of give uh, us a minute or so on, on explaining that exactly how inflation uh through, you know. Sure.
2: So, um the way we've engineered our business and the way we've engineered our uh, agreements with the clients actually take care of this very issue and, and has done that for uh, years now. Um, one of the uh, factors is if our clients uh, uh, actually I don't want to get too technical because it is a very technical uh, question because there are payment methods involved, different payment methods have different types of fee structures to them some of them are flagged regardless of the form of payment uh, our cost structure is, in some cases Regardless of the uh, uh, payment amount which uh, is charged due to inflation by the billing company, we still get our fair share. Our margins don't get affected. But so in some cases, uh, uh, there is a change where we are getting a flat fee and while on the back end our cost is variable, that's a, in a, uh, a small percentage of those transactions. And there as well we have a duty to raise uh, the pricing. And, uh, uh, because it's very understandable by the clients themselves that if they are getting more benefit, uh, by, uh, through the inflation that is charging, uh, higher for their bills, we want the, the very company which is making that all happen where they're able to collect the money, we want to be able to raise the rate as well and we have those, uh, uh, capabilities uh, in the agreement already built in. So that doesn't, it uh, uh, doesn't, uh, affect us as much as it will appear actually.
3: Okay, no, that's super awesome. helpful. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, John. Thank you,
0: John. Our next question goes to Jeff Cantwell with Wells Fargo. Jeff, your line is open. Please go ahead.
3: Hey, thank you for taking my questions, and thanks for having me join this call. Um, you know, one thing that stood out on the positive side here, and this piece is being highlighted on this call, is raising the guidance, especially... Given how many you know, other companies have sounded about the quarter. And, and I guess, even though you're at the real heart of the economy in many ways, to how many clients you have now, can you sort of push your macro view as you see it? And what I'm really trying to get out is, what made you confident here to raise the tide? Is it three range? Is it something about the operational momentum this quarter? I just want to see you know, what you can point us to do that will help us understand what you're thinking about uh, as far as positives for the remainder of the year. yeah thanks Jeff this is Matt and uh welcome to the fold uh glad to have you uh as part of the group here yeah um yeah so on the macro I, you know I think Deshaun hit on a little bit earlier um yeah obviously uh things have been a bit tough to start the year on multiple fronts uh in the macro, but um because of the space that we're in and you know really focused on uh non discretionary essential recurring bill payments. Uh, it's a very resilient business. And, um, you know, we saw it kind of at the beginning of COVID uh, when you know, really the impact to our business at the beginning of COVID was um, a little bit of a slowdown in signing new business and getting customers live because everybody was focused on their own business. Uh, but we did not see any slowdown at all to the payments flowing through our platform because people still had to pay their bills uh they need to keep the lights on, they need to keep their insurance, their mortgages, etc. And so um so it, it is a very resilient model and that's reflected in, you know, uh, our results in Q one and our guidance for the rest of the year that even though the macro may seem a little uncertain, uh one thing is constant that people you know need to continue to pay their bills. Um, I think as far as the raising the guidance uh for the year it, it's it's reflected in that, that we have not seen any negative impacts. We don't expect to see any negative impacts from that. Uh, In addition to, you know, again, uh, just keep pointing back to all the things that we've uh, added and continue to announce our ability to execute internally on uh, getting clients uh, live and implemented. And that's actually, you know, again, back to one of the earlier questions kind of relates on our ability to continue that through the rest of the year or not, what we saw in Q1 and being able to do it faster, there's a huge, uh, reliance there on the client. We can't do it alone. Uh, we have to partner with them. It has to be within the bounds of kind of their internal priorities and projects and they've all got a million things going on. And so, um you know, if it was completely within our control, I'd be like, you know, full speed ahead. We're going to get them all live tomorrow and figure out how many people we need to hire to do that. Um, but we also have to work within the bounds of our clients, and so you know it's uh, it's definitely a partnership uh, aspect of it. Um, but we, you know, everything that we kind of see uh, from um, you know, behavior of people paying their bills, from the things we put in place, um, you what know, we feel good about uh, the rest of the year.
2: And if I may add to this, to your broader economic uh, question, uh, and, and speaking to the investor base uh, broadly. If uh if for example you're a private company today and you were investors in our in our company and you have forty other companies in your portfolio, you will look at Dementis and think about, boy, oh, this is a company which is in recurring building uh the uh bills you have to pay uh, these are essential bills. Uh and uh during uh uh you know, turbulent times like these, businesses have even a stronger need collect money and uh, collect the money efficiently and also improve experience for the customers both of those things whatever, what our platform is designed to provide it actually uh, uh allows you to sleep a little bit better uh, uh and uh, you know during uh we had we have gone through a couple of these things and we COVID uh we continue to grow as a business uh, we uh, we had the same thing uh in, in you know the financial crisis so, uh, uh, what I'm trying to really say is that if you take the public market side of things aside, should, there's a little bit of uncertainty, which uh, uh, we have all experienced, uh, uh, you, you know, the business inside, internally, the business is
5: uh, uh, doing really well. Okay, that's great, Connor. Thanks very much, and congrats on the results.
0: Thank you. Thanks, you. Thank you, Jeff. Our next question
5: goes to Kim Tin Wong with JP Morgan. Tian Tin, your line is open. Please go ahead. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to build on John's question and, and ask it from a pillar perspective, just with inflation and whatnot. Are you seeing pillars want to promote auto pay as a reason to, to accelerate or raise a sense of urgency to, to want to work with you? I'm just trying to understand the pillar side of. How they're viewing the the uncertainties that people were asking about it feels like it could be a perfect help.
2: Yes, I think so. If you look at it from the uh, uh, in in situations like uh, uh, like these, in, and, and frankly, uh, COVID itself is pretty uh, pretty recent memory. So the billing companies uh, are faced with uh, situations like you know how do we make it easier for customers to uh, 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 to collect. Uh, uh, as well as make it, uh, uh, you know, make sure that they have ability to pay multiple times if, uh, if they have to. Uh, the auto pay itself, uh, if you can believe it, is for, uh, customers who are, who they're least concerned about from the collectability center. It is the customers who are not on auto pay where they will say, you know, how do I, how do I reach to the customers at a faster pace than, or, or broadly. And, and could I do it in a way uh, uh, that doesn't cost me a lot more money than it would have otherwise? So, everything our platform is designed for. So, for example, if you were the one I was coming to you in a market like this, my pitch would be to take a look at uh, our platform. It is uh, designed for you to not have to change anything on your end. We will do all the work because we have this uh, advanced integration framework uh, in place, and we have hundreds of billing systems we are already integrated with, and we can integrate with you uh, uh, while, through the integration, we can reach uh, all the customers you're otherwise not being able to reach, uh, reach out to, just because of the modern paradigm shifting uh, ecosystem we have built. So all of that resonates extremely well uh, 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 to the uh, uh, to the customer and uh, to the billing company. And, uh, and therefore, with multiple payment options, options wherever the customers are, and including giving them the ability to pay, including at the last minute, which is very easy for the customers to pay. Uh, and that's why there's a gravitation towards us uh, in, in plans like
5: this. Makes sense. Uh, thanks for going through that. And just a quick follow-up, if you don't mind. Just the reinvestments make sense. And know there's a lot of investing in, in establishing partners and, and we'll, not just on the product side. In general, are you have you changed your um, focus on on product development given given what's happening uh, in the world? Just curious, what's what's new from a product perspective, maybe that you were thinking about six months ago. You
2: know, we we continue to make investments in the product. Uh, we we have uh, in some ways we have set a, uh, set the tone for the industry as to how the uh, how. Customer experience should uh, take place, and how a platform should really operate, and what kind of capabilities it should provide to the building company, uh, both from a uh, uh, for their own teams' perspective, the staff of the building company, but also uh, the c- customers of the building company. Uh, when you look at it from that perspective, it's a never-ending pursuit. You we, we, we exist for two specific goals. How do we improve the customer experience? and how do we do it while lowering the cost to collect or cost to serve uh, the customers uh, uh, from a billing company standpoint. And that, so all the advancements, all the investments we make are in that area. The other area we are actually heavily uh, focused on is how do we improve the velocity of uh, 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 onboarding. I'll give you an example. You know, we have almost... uh, 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 To Matt's point earlier, if we could actually onboard uh, uh, clients uh, and it was entirely in our control, we could onboard uh, them tomorrow. Like 70, 80% of our clients, uh, maybe even more, uh, uh, could be onboarded without making a single change anywhere in our system. However, it takes time for the clients to get uh, comfortable and and, and go through the process. What we are making investments in is for the remaining uh, 10, 20% as well to make sure that uh, these complex enterprise site uh, uh, deployments are also able to get done without making uh, too many changes uh, uh, as the workflows uh, the complex sophisticated workflows could be implemented work a platform without coding so we're making some changes there as well so you will see more and more about you will hear more and more about that as we go forward
5: very good thank you for your take
2: thank you
0: Thank you, Tim Our final question goes to Dave, Tony. It's there. Dave, your line of please proceed.
5: Yeah, hey, guys. Thanks so much. And I, I just wanted to review um, contribution profit per transaction. And I think you've talked before about as you've gotten bigger, prior, You know that's naturally gone down a little. It's actually went down less this quarter. It's been in a long time. And I've been wondering, A, is the mix it's a mix of as it comes down, coming in at a different trend, so like at different levels, like um, different verticals to create kind of different um, yields, and then over time, are we at a point where you starts to stabilize?
3: Yeah, thanks, Dave. I uh, appreciate the questions, Matt. Um, yes, I, I think yes to both uh, questions. We, you know, it's the Q4, and I can't remember if we said it on the, the call, or maybe it was in uh, some of the Q&A afterwards, but you know, I said we saw a pretty good step-down in Q4, uh, and there was a lot of questions about it. I said, you know, we expected to stabilize for 2022 and be pretty consistent with where we saw Q4, uh, and there were a couple of reasons for that conclusion, and, and we're seeing them play out. One was, uh if you recall, the reason for the step-down or a reason for the step-down in Q4 was a couple of large clients going live at the end of Q3 early Q4, that had a little bit different profile, one was more B2B, one was included uh some payouts, which were all cash-based, uh, and so they had a different pricing profile than, say, our typical dealer uh, direct clients have. Uh, we felt very good because they were very large clients with lots of transactions, and so we felt good in the overall economic profile of the client, but it caused a set-down, and, and we didn't see anything in our... Uh, implementation pipeline that, that looked or felt like those two did and so we expected, uh, expected to stabilize. But then also there is a kind of a terminal point you get to once you, you know, again, if you think about the progression of our, uh, growth as an organization, we kind of purposely started in Horizon 1 with small and medium sized clients and then we moved up to large size in Horizon 2 and then the network effect in Horizon 3. Um uh, there's a period of time where every new large client you add is pulling down the average just simply because of the nature of size, uh, in the total portfolio. You know, we're kind of reaching that point now where, uh, addition of a new larger client doesn't really have that big of an impact on the average. It's going to have some and, but the, the rate at which it's going down certainly will slow, uh, dramatically. And then the other factor is some of the IPM transactions that we've, uh, talk about you know, that are that are uh, inter- don't have any interchange associated with them. Um, they are priced in a level that's fairly consistent with w- sort of what our current uh, contribution profit per transaction level is. So they're not going to be uh, detracting to that overall point. Um, so that that's kind of what's behind the scenes driving it. But we still I, I, the comments I made I think in Q4. Uh, are still the same. Nothing's changed to, to change our thinking there, which is the remainder of 2022, we expect to be uh, pretty consistent with Q4 and Q1 and kind of where we
5: are right now. Gotcha. And, and maybe just a quick follow up skills and marketing the last few quarters has trended up a lot and it's important it correspondence with really, really good uh, revenue growth. I get it. You know, but is there a point
3: where it's supposed to get levered, levered a little bit going forward? forward? Absolutely. And we're, you know, I don't want to say we're at that point because, you know, we continue to invest in the business. What I will say is between taking on, you know, some of the sales and marketing costs of K-Bearys in particular, um, as well as we kind of purposely put some investment at the end of 2021 In the sales and marketing, and you're seeing kind of the first full quarter of that in in Q1. Um, We it it was higher than what I would say our ongoing level of investment is going to be. That was kind of a purposeful um, push of spend there. Um, So I expect from this point forward, you will definitely start to see it uh, moderate out and get more leverage over kind of what we saw this this, the last couple of quarters.
5: Gotcha. Awesome. Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you, hey, Dave. Thank you, Dave. There are no further questions, rather, so that it's time to conclude the q two one 2022 earnings call. Thank you for your participation. You can have a tonight next line.